Wolfpack, thanks so much for tuning into the Fantasy Fullback Dive today. Before we pave your path to 2020 fantasy titles, a quick announcement. We're looking to add new lead blockers to crush it with this summer. Writers, video, dev, marketing, finger massagers. If you're passionate about fantasy and you want to join this young, energetic startup with a limitless DK Metcalf ceiling, slide on into the Wolf's DMs on Twitter at RotoStreetWolf or hit us up at RotoStreetJournal on Facebook or Instagram and learn more details. Also, for show notes and bonus goodies for today and every episode, visit FF. BDPod.com. All right, chin straps on, let's go. Fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final The fantasy fullback dive is thrilled to welcome on for the first time Peter Overzet at Peter Overzet on Twitter, where he labels himself American Flag Sports Fan 20, 2000 to 2020 American Flag. He's a burgeoning TikTok star at P Overzet, and his fantasy work is featured on Roto Grinders in 4 for 4 Fantasy, including the Take Cast Pod and the LOLs show. Welcome to the show, Pete. How's it going, my man? I'm doing well, dude. I'm uh, excited to do the show. You know, sometimes you change your bio as a joke uh, and then don't realize you're going to go on a show and they're going to read your bio uh, and people are going to be really confused uh, since it was a very specific inside reference. But, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff I do. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, who, who's not an American flag sports fan from the last 20 years? It's, it's huge. It's a huge thing to claim. I'm not even sure what the bio says these days. I feel like it switches up all the time, but I got a good chuckle out of it. So I liked it. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to have you on just because, you know, we're doing our fantasy wolves sequence and we've had some great guests. And I think, you know, more so than any other analyst in the biz, you really have your finger kind of on the pulse of the, the culture side, for lack of better word of just, you know, what everybody's saying and how to boil it down. And, and it's just all so hilarious. So I really wanted to get you on because I don't think anybody else kind of sees that underbelly if for lack of a better word uh, of fantasy the roto underbelly uh maybe that's the next the breakout site right there but uh you're so good at it and, and i'm thrilled to have some some pretty fun segments here with you so thanks again for your time you ready to dive into it yeah let's do it awesome so before we get into some of the uh the segments i planned i always like to ask all the wolves kind of what was your path here and if you had some advice for others uh, to, to kind of break into the industry. So what's it kind of looked like for you so far? And what would you give anybody that's also trying to, to make a name for themselves in the fantasy game? You know, what's your advice to them? Yeah, my path has been, I guess, kind of a, a winding road. Um, I met some friends doing improv comedy probably six or seven years ago. And we found out that a few of us all liked fantasy football. And the theater that we did uh, improv at, they have kind of like an open submission process where you can pitch shows. And so people are always doing themed shows. And we we're like, you know, what if we did a fantasy football comedy show? Sure, it would have a very small audience, but we all like this. We like making jokes about it. Let's do it. So we kind of launched a podcast and a live show uh, that we did for a few years. 
And we would do kind of really overly produced stuff. We would do sketches, parody songs, like all this kind of stuff. Um, and from there, I kind of just got more involved uh, meeting people in the fantasy space and, and then just started doing kind of other projects, other podcasts. Um, and yeah, so I would say that was kind of the start. It all definitely started with a, a comedy background. And, and here we are today. That's awesome. And what kind of, let's dive into that a little bit, like acting. What was that like? How long did you kind of pursue the the improv game? Are you still, you know, doing improv and whatnot? And and how do you see that kind of influencing your fantasy work now? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a huge influence on what I do because I hadn't, I hadn't really ever made uh, comedic content until I started doing improv. And I think the cool thing was it just it gave you the confidence or sometimes it even feels like the permission that you can you can create stuff because it, it can be scary, right, to put yourself out there and to have something bomb or flop. But I, you know, I did hundreds of improv shows. Sometimes it would be a full house, sometimes there would be two people in the audience. Sometimes you would bomb. You would literally do a 20-minute set and maybe get one or two chuckles the whole time. So when you build up that resolve of knowing, look, I don't care. I'm going to do my thing. I know I'm getting reps. I'm getting better. I'm learning. And I don't care what the reaction is. That kind of gives you confidence to try things. And I guess that's probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from it is just the confidence in, you know, what I find funny and you know what, I'm just going to put it out there. If other people find it funny, great. If not, we'll move on and we'll learn from it. Absolutely. I mean, I can speak, I know I'm speaking for a ton of people where they say, you know, this is the funniest fantasy content out there. All my buddies always will send, like, did you see this one from Pete? And it's always going around the group chat. So it's definitely landing at least in the fantasy niche for sure. Is acting, before we get keep diving into the, uh, you know, the fantasy stuff, if acting, is that something you like, you know, would go at full time if opportunities presented itself? Are you kind of more so on the fantasy pursuit now? Is, is one more of a dream than the other, I guess? I don't know exactly where I'm going with that, but are you, do you feel more passionate to, to one or the other, or do you kind of like the, the marriage you're finding between the two? Yeah, I, I do, because I do kind of like the marriage because I've never thought of myself fully as a comedian or improv actor, and I've also never thought of myself fully as a fantasy analyst, so it's the hybrid that kind of works for me. But yeah, I mean, one thing that I learned about improv is you know, you're never going to necessarily quote unquote, become a funnier person. Like you all have, we all have our sensibilities and our baseline. That's always going to inform, you know, whatever our content is. But when you do improv over and over and over, you become a better actor and you can reap the rewards of that. Then whether it's just in your confidence when you're on camera and you're talking or you feel comfortable going without a script. And then also if I'm doing characters, I don't even consider myself. I'm not a good character actor. I'm not a good impressionist, but you learn like, okay, I can do a little bit with this voice. I can do, do a little bit here. So it just, it does give you the confidence to kind of explore and push out beyond your world. The, the phrase they always say in improv is you wear those characters as a thin veil. Um, where it's like you're not transforming into this person, but it's just it's just enough to make the audience get to believe it and suspend the disbelief for a little bit. Awesome, yeah. We we're gonna kind of be playing on that later on in the the segment here, where we have 
three kind of fantasy improv and, and you were very adamant, no sending you any type of hints as what it is. You wanted to do it off the cuff, which I love. Um, the three segments are going to be the industry impersonation where you're kind of saying, we'll put on those veils of a few different characters I've scripted up here and see how you take them. Um, we'll also do a, a round of music association where I've queued up a few songs and just whoever it brings to mind uh, from a fantasy perspective and why, you know, you'll toss out that. And then also just uh, some adjectives. Today I went with purely taste adjectives just to give you somewhat of a hint as to you know what's coming and what you know, type of word association with that um, type of word. So that's kind of previewing what we have coming. I think it's going to be a fantastic time. But the good thing is it's it's not just humor with you. I feel like you do bring a ton of what makes the humor even that much more impactful in a way is the analysis you give is so spot on, whether you're making fun of all the analysts in the industry or if you're just giving really solid DFS advice. Um, so I did want to kind of ask you a little bit about your, your DFS process. I know, I don't know if that's more of your focus than redraft or not, but I've read a bunch of your content on it. Um, and I just kind of wanted to give our listeners a sense of what does someone like you, you know, typically do in a new week of DV, uh, DFS? Do you have any kind of routines or best practices you follow when you're making your lineups? Yeah, and I mean, I should preface all of this. I am still, I, I'm still, I'm pretty sure I can check my roto tracker. I'm a lifelong losing DFS player. So, uh, but I will say I have uh, a very open mind, and I'm always trying to learn and get better. And I will say my process has even changed since this past NFL season. Mainly in that I was really focused on like a single entry lineup, making one lineup. Um, but what would happen to me when I did that is my brain would just get tied in a knot because my just my default approach to DFS is I like being contrarian, but I ended up falling into the territory I call galaxy brain where I'm too contrarian. I'm overthinking it, just trying to like be nine steps ahead when I only need to be two steps ahead. Um, and what has actually helped me is then through this off season, I've actually started doing more mass multi-entry stuff. Um, I really like 20 max, but I'll even do the 150 max. Um, not, not the, the big one. I don't have that kind of a bankroll, but I'll do the mini maxes and stuff. And what that has done is it's allowed me to think more about exposures, more about ownership and less about, um, just making one specific lineup that I put all my, right. my eggs in that basket. And in doing so, I think it's allowed me to get, uh, become a better player because obviously the goal with DFS, right, is we're trying to make the best possible optimal lineup that is also unique and not owned by a lot of other players. So when you make one lineup, it can sometimes be hard to get that balance. But when you make a ton, you can really get the exposures right and balance your ownership level. So yeah, I'm really excited about this NFL season and, and kind of approaching it more from an MME perspective, which I've never really done before. Absolutely. Is Do you kind of focus more on GPPs, 50-50s, a mix of both? or um, And in that you know, hindsight, is there ever a single day that stands out to you as like, that was my best or worst DFS day of all time? Yeah. Um, so I never play cash games. I mean, I, I guess I should say uh, every once in a blue moon, like if I feel like there's just this perfect optimal lineup or whatever, um, that I want to roll out there, I'll do it. But on the most part, like my relationship with DFS, I want to be a profitable player, obviously, but I we even the best DFS players their cash game win rate is like between 55 to 60 percent and then when you include the rake I mean the margins on that the ROI it's like a two or three percent ROI so you got to be playing really big volume to actually be making money consistently and it just doesn't it's not fun for me yeah. I want to hit 
that GPP, and I'm okay knowing I'm going to lose a lot of slates because I'm playing contrarian. I'm only playing tournaments. I'm going to be bleeding money, but hopefully I hit a few of these, and it allows me to keep playing tournaments. Um, I actually would say I had my best DFS day um, right at the beginning of quarantine. I started playing League of Legends DFS, <laughs> and there was um, – I actually think it's kind of interesting as it pertains to NFL DFS as an example. Like, so everyone knows quarterback and wide receivers in NFL are highly correlated, right? Um, as far as production, I believe if you look at the correlation, it's like a 0.3, which is a really strong correlation. So to give you an idea of League of Legends, you can play um, two team up to two teams. So you could do four guys from one team, three on the second. The correlation of all the players on a winning team is 0.8 or higher. So basically, you would be dumb if you didn't stack as many guys from the same team as possible because if the team wins, they're all going to do well. So that correlation is so strong, and there was a few weeks there where the entire player pool hadn't caught up to that idea, and I was doing really well just playing 4-3, four, three, four threes, and I, I won a, one of their big $33 uh, GPPs. I think it was like a $3,000 score. So that was a very fun morning after being a low stakes DFS player playing NFL. And then it's like, I'm watching these Asian kids play video games and that's how I won money. So that's, that's life for you. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Is there, is there one specific player that you're like this? I'm indebted to you for my wonderful three K day that just lit it up for you. What's so sad about this is I played so many league of legends slates that I don't even know if I can remember who was on that roster um i would have to look into that yeah i don't have like a faker yeah. t1 jersey in my in my house though i kind of <laughs> wish i did that's fantastic yeah that's uh, addiction at its finest too playing league of legends uh, uh fantasy there to fill the void of no sports i absolutely love it i'm sure korean baseball lineups and all, and all that stuff it's just what else do we have at this these days and times hopefully it'll all come back sooner uh sooner than later in, in when you're constructing your lineups, uh, not from a League of Legends perspective necessarily, because I don't know how many of our listeners <laughs> will uh, gain too much from that. But when you're constructing your NFL lineups, I, I know you said you're trying to get a lot of variance now and you're going to take a new approach coming into this season a little bit. But is there any type of like rules or truths you hold true? Like I need to pay up at running back and I'm always going to have three running backs no matter what. Or, uh, you know, I definitely need to stack and it doesn't matter uh, what what quarterback I go with. I will always have a receiver in my lineup if I'm going with X player uh, from X team. Or do you kind of just, is it is it different and malleable every week? How do you kind of approach it in that sense? Yeah, I mean, this is something I, I did say because... I do think I've gotten better as a DFS player. I used to, uh, I think, prescribe to those kind of set rules more often. Like I would be like, I always want to pay down at defense. And I think that still might be true, but I now think of it in a different way. Whereas when I was making one lineup, it's like you either have what, 100% exposure or zero exposure. So I've thought about it less as like, when I used to think about a fade, in my head, I was like, I'm fading this guy everywhere. But what I realized is in like looking at exposures and when you run a lot of lineup, a fade can mean obviously just having less than the field. Like if there's a popular running back punt play, you know, he steps in, I don't even know, say it's Brian Hill without Devonta Freeman last year and he's 4,500. My gut instinct as a DFS contrarian player is like, I'm fading Brian Hill. But if he is such a good points per dollar play, 
I might not be able to avoid him in all of my lineups. Like that would just be a bad process. So old me would have been like 0%. New me, I have 20 lineups. Say the field's going to have him at 50%. I'm going to come in at 10 or 15% in case he does explode. I still have outs to make money. So that's kind of how my DFS thought process has been evolving. And again, it's all a work in progress. <laughs> Love it. And in addition to, you know, feel free to pump any of your own tools or tips that you help produce for owners, but is there anything you also gravitate towards from lineup builders or any of that, that you might recommend that our, our viewers or listeners check out here? Yeah, I mean, the the tools I really like. So one thing I love, uh, Roto Grinders has this Chrome extension. And when you're in the lobby for DraftKings and FanDuel, it will show you um, where, uh, how much of the money is going to um, the top uh, percent. Now I'm messing it up exactly, but it shows you the distribution. So you can really quickly evaluate how good a pay structure mm-hmm. is. It also shows you how much overlay there is currently. So say if a contest is slow to fill and at lock, it updates in real time and you can see, look, oh, there's going to be $2,000 of overlay, which means not only no rake, but there's extra money essentially in the price pool. This is a contest I want to get into. So I really like that Chrome extension. Mm. Um, I think Osimo does an incredible job with his tools. He's recently started doing some stuff where he looks at like top six percentages for, you know, what is the percentage chance this, this golfer say wins or, you know, is in the top lineup. And that's really useful to people who are hand building lineups, I think. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of the tools. Uh, and then, you know, for season long stuff, I just love the guys at Rotoviz. I think they do such a good job and they have some really good uh, DFS tools as well over there. So yeah, those are those are the guys I'll, I'll cape up for right now. Absolutely. And and so you gave us some industry giants, awesome, Rotoviz and, and people for everyone to consider. Is there any specific analysts, whether you've worked with them or just people in general, you always like to go to and check who is this person on this week? Who are some wolves that you really like and respect in this game? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a just a good point in general that if you are trying to learn just seeing what the best players are doing with their lineups and you can go to here's another tool on roto grinders they have their their results db their database and you can go and search a contest like the millie maker type in a high stakes dfs player and you can look at all of his lineups you can see oh he's punting at here or oh he's leaving all this salary on the table and you can really learn a lot from that so I um, in the past couple months I started doing a weekly show you mentioned it lulls with Brian Hooper Um, if you play DFS you will recognize his screen name it's brick 75 and I would say him and Osimo are you know pretty consistently the two best DFS players like regardless of sport and so those are two guys that I'm constantly paying attention to trying to learn from and Osimo does these kind of um, lineup building uh, shows that he does where I really like watching that because he kind of shows his process. Um, so yeah, those are two guys that I definitely pay attention to because, um, yeah, if you want to be the best, you got to see what the best are doing. Absolutely. What's the, uh, Brickshaw? What was his handle one more time? Oh, I just yeah. wanted to write that it's, one down. Yeah. It's BRIC 75. <laughs> and I do, uh, uh, I'll get a plug in. We do a weekly show on Wednesday nights on his YouTube and my Periscope. And it's it's just kind of like uh, DFS lifestyle. And we'll talk about whatever slate is coming up. So we've been doing some PGA recently because those are on Thursdays. So yeah, uh, check it out if, if you'd like. Wednesday at what time was that? I'm sorry. We do it every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. 8 p.m. Eastern. Awesome. Yep. 
Awesome. And my last question before we get into kind of the fun improv stuff here is it redraft wise. I always like to ask, we're, we're trying to build our like formula for evaluation and how to weigh certain factors that go into fantasy success, whether that's individual ability, is it usage? Is it the surrounding team and, and the coach involved? So if you were kind of making like a formula for, for fantasy success, what are some of the, the factors that you would weigh the most heavily or, or how would you kind of grade certain indicators to success? Yeah, so I um almost all of my thoughts about fantasy football uh as far as from a process standpoint do um come from Rotoviz and the research those guys do over there. And the reason I love Rotoviz is because they back test all of their information. So they're not just saying uh you know, we think this works out. They're looking at uh, what are the win rates for best ball? So based on construction and they're looking at, okay, where is the cohort of breakout wide receivers? So some of the, you know, principles that they've honed in on over the years that I still think are exploitable are like second year wide receivers. You know, that is when those guys break out. And if you can find the, the wide receivers that were efficient, um, that are set to get more volume, that is a really good way to make a profit, like a great example last year was a Cortland Sutton. I mean, he was going in the eighth or ninth round of drafts and he was free money. DJ Chark too. These are just, if you, all you did was just blindly draft second year wide receivers, like after the sixth round, just kind of stockpiling them, you would have a really good hit rate. So those are guys I'm looking at this year. I'm, I'm thinking a lot about buying low on Nikhil Harry. McCole Hardman, I know, is kind of a buzzy guy right now, but when you consider everything about his peripherals, um, he's one of those targets. So yeah, I'm looking at those kind of things. What are the macro trends that have shown to be real over the years? And then trying to get in the weeds and see how I can apply that to the current year. Absolutely. Yeah. Rotoviz is a, a fantastic site for all that. We're excited. We're having uh, Curtis Patrick come on within the next week or two. So he, he's a, a giant with a lot of that. I know he had an article on like DJ Moore and he even broke it down to like age and, you know, he, he got so granular, but it, it, it was clearly great data that was predicting these trends. So that's an awesome site to uh, shout out there. So let's get into now kind of the, uh, the second part here, our future segments, where we're going to do a little bit of improv with you. Um, okay. As I was kind of hitting at the, the top, I think, you know, my one of my favorite posts of yours was the Dynasty guy unveils his rookie ranks. It kind of, <sighs> you, you just nailed it. You, you caught what everybody was saying about everybody down to a, sci- like, you know, a science. It was all, just like almost attacking it away, how perfect it was. Uh, and I really think that's just some of the best content in the game. So we want to kind of tap into that ability here and give you a few industry, you know, impersonations, um, some yeah. stereotypes, right? So I don't know how much time, if you need, you know, any think time, pause time after I give it to you, but I'm going to just give you the person and I'm, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the work that you come up with here. Um, okay. Sound and, good? And what, should we go for like what? Just like a, are these quick hitters like a 15, 20 second and then we go on? I think it's it's up to you. If you feel uh, pretty compelled by a certain one and you want to go on a rant, by all means, yeah, quick hit it if you like. But if one all of right. them really speaks to you and you're just like, I'm going to go off here, by all means, uh, go, all go right. for it. Yeah. Um, so the first one I have written down is Vinny the film grinder who will die defending the honor of running backs and how much they matter. Look, guys, like I'm telling you, you, you guys all look at your spreadsheets all day. Who's watching the tape? 
I'm watching the tape, okay? I pull up draft breakdown. You know what I do? Sometimes if I don't have a clip, I'll just take my cell phone camera and I'll put it on the screen. I'll record CBS just so I have that tape in real time. What, you're going to wait for the All-22 film? No, I'm grinding it on my phone after. The things you guys miss in the spreadsheet is insane. Can you see the hip swivel when you're looking in a spreadsheet? Tell me right now, what excel function has hip swivel you tell me okay you guys are bogus if you can't see it with your eyes it does <laughs> not exist my name's Vinny. subscribe to my channel unbelievable next i'm just gonna try to get him out there without laughing stan the analytics truther on why zero running back is the only way if you have a brain well, here's the deal, guys. If we look at the macro win rates, okay, it is proven that if you draft zero RB and you wait to draft your second RB until round six or later, you are at a 13% win rate. When we look at the win rates of people who are drafting more than one running back in the first five rounds, that drops all the way down to a 9.8% win rate. So you tell me, how are you going to sleep at night knowing your win rate has dropped 2.6 percentage points? Okay, are you adult? Are you an idiot? Do you not have the mental fortitude to look at a roster that does not have a workhorse running back? You are mentally weak. Zero RB is the only, only draft strategy. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll go with Larry, the obnoxious co-worker league mate, who is once again trying to sell you his four average Joes for your Christian McCaffrey. Come on, dude. Like, just look, look at your quarterback situation. I mean, you need it. Like, I sure, did I draft four quarterbacks? Right. Is, is Are they useless on the market right now? Maybe. But you need a quarterback. So how about this? I just package Phillip Rivers, okay, Kirk Cousins. Look, I'll toss in Patrick Laird and, I don't know, here, fine, Kenny Stills. You tell me you're literally getting four players to one. Christian McCaffrey, what if he breaks his leg? This is a trade you need to do. Trust me. Look at your quarterback situation. Unbelievable. And the, the last one I have for today, I have, a, I have a bunch of them written down, and this is just as money, but uh, last one I've got is the most inspired tweeter who, through his sheer grit and grind, is so shocked and thankful for reaching the latest follower benchmark. <laughs> Guys, um, I know that I normally tweet this out, but I had to do a video message because I just hit 144 followers. And I know... For a lot of you, that might not mean much. But for me, I this is everything I've been building toward, okay? I've been favoriting Matthew Berry's tweets for at least three years. I've been interacting with Evan Silva, and he actually favorited one of my tweets the other day. And I think I'm going to launch my own podcast. I don't know. I, I'm just humbled. I'm excited to be here. Um, and if I could just get in, into Scott Fishbowl my entire life, would be validated. Thank you guys so much for this journey. We're going to the moon. Absolutely. Absolutely love all of those, dude. That was fantastic work. Again, he did not have these to prepare at all, to be able to, the hip swivel, Excel function. I mean, all of those were just complete gold. So well done off the top of the head, man. That was very impressive work. Um, the next round is music association. So I'm going to play five songs for you. And just from your gut, which player comes to mind, and if you want to explain why, by all means as well. So let me kind of okay. put my microphone a little closer. Let me know if you can hear this okay. just want to make okay. sure. Okay. Could you hear that one okay? 
No, sorry, I couldn't. I didn't hear anything. Oh, it didn't. I saw you listening. I was like, okay, you can hear that one. Shit, I thought that. Sorry. Yeah, no, I didn't through. hear anything. Oh no, my fault to keep you waiting there. Um, let me see how I can. We'll we'll skip that one for now then, because that would just you know if YouTube's having like advertisements and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to be a pain in the ass, so I'll. I'll sit, skip that for now. I'll get like a Spotify or something playlist next time. But sorry for that bust there. Maybe we can always no circle worries. back and get a uh, another one later. But I've got, I've got some, I could actually, you know what? I'll just give you the the song title and you tell me who comes okay. to mind. How about that to, to save the uh, segment a little bit here? So the first song is "Shape of You" by Ed Sheeran. Shape of You. You know what? I'm going to do Leonard Fournette, whose shape is uh, constantly changing. Sometimes he's Fat Lenny. Then we see the photo of him in the gym. People said maybe it was Photoshop. So the amorphous shape of you, Mr. Leonard Fournette. Love it. What about Toxicity by System of a Down? (laughs) Wow, Toxicity. I mean, the first thing that just comes to mind is Tyreek Hill. Uh, in that he seems like a very toxic individual, uh, but then he, you know, has some bangers on the field like, uh, you know, System of the Down. So there you go. What about Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You? I Will Always Love You. Uh, That's my guy, Patrick Laird. You know, whatever he does, no matter what, uh, I will always love Patrick Laird. Nickelback, Photograph. (laughs) Nickelback, photograph okay odell beckham because the image we all have in our head of odell beckham is that one-handed sideline catch it's Mm. still the thing we all think about even though a lot of shit has transpired since then we don't even know if he's ever going to return to form but we will always have that photograph of odell beckham making the insane catch (laughs) love it and the last one i got here this one probably would have worked better with sound but hansen mbop Mbop, uh, mbop. Um, let's see. Uh, that that's that's Christian McCaffrey because you got the 101 and you have no concerns in the world because you're just humming that tune, that very catchy tune, uh, as you draft him 101 without any further deliberation. Love it, love it. Thank you for uh, rolling with that one too. I apologize the music wasn't ready, um, but and, and that'll be good to know for next one. I loved all those, nailed them. And the last one, I got ten adjectives here. And as I was alluding to, they all are going to refer to taste. So I'll give you the word, and you just give me who comes to mind and why. Okay. First one, juicy. Juicy. Uh, Okay, I will say George Kittle is juicy. He's a grown-ass man. He's going to score you lots of fantasy points. I love having that tight end one locked into my roster. Juicy George Kittle. Buttery. Buttery. Uh, I'm going to go with Amari Cooper coming in and out of the breaks, putting defensive backs on the skates, just a buttery route runner. Slimy. Slimy. (laughs) Slimy. Who is a guy that just kind of gets it done in a gross way? Carlos Hyde. He just (laughs) never goes away. He just kind of slimy, gets his production. Carlos Hyde. Tart. Tart. This is uh, a guy that it kind of has a harsh taste but is still kind of desirable. It sounds like a best ball wide receiver. It sounds like Deshaun Jackson or Will Fuller. You know, it's like, mm, sometimes it can be delicious and sometimes it can be pretty tart. Creamy. Creamy. <laughs> Creamy. I, again, I think of somebody that's really smooth. Um, Keenan Allen or, mm. say, Jarvis Landry, where cream kind of implies slowness, but it's also smooth. They get the job done, but they're not the most explosive athletes. What about smoky? 
Smokey. I mean, that one's easy, right? Smokey John Brown. That's yeah. his nickname. <laughs> that might have that might be cheating. So I'll go with Smokey. And it's kind of he's got the cloud of dust behind him as he speeds off. Yeah, that was a, that was a gimme. What about <laughs> Peppery? Peppery. Okay, <laughs> this is someone that gets peppered with targets. Julian Edelman is Mr. Peppery, although we'll find out if it holds true with uh, Jared Stidham. I, I hope so. As a Pats fan, we'll see there. I'm sure that nickname is going to stick to Julian Peppery Edelman there on Pepper, the field. Ju- Julian Pepperman could work. Yeah, absolutely. What about Zesty? Zesty. Okay. This is, I'm thinking of like a jitterbug running back, someone that's like really quick and elusive. I'm going to go with Austin Eckler. He just has kind of a zesty game with those uh, with those cuts. Last two here, Melty. Melty. <laughs> to me, this is someone who melts under the pressure. Um, who is a player that has historically um, come up short in big spots? Let's say Matt Ryan. He melted that 28-3 to lead that they had against mm-hmm. the Patriots at the Super Bowl. And last one here, Burnt. Burnt. Burnt toast. This is a guy that um, is dusted. You do not want to draft him anymore. Let's go with another Patriot. I think Sony Michelle is burnt. Lovely. A great. <laughs> I love all the analysis in there too. Like it all fits every single one you said. I did. I hadn't even pictured who I would say, but I'm like all of those just make such perfect sense. Of course, Amari Cooper's buttery. Like I, I don't know why, but I loved it. Those are all beautiful. Well done there. Um, in the last segment we have here, I do this with every wolf that comes on. We call it kind of the no huddle offense. Just similar to what we've been doing with quick hit, you know, gut reactions. You're welcome to expand on any if you feel compelled. Um, but you know, if you just want to give the name, that's also perfectly fine too. Um, and, and just going to run you through. I think it's 20 total questions here, and just give me what first pops up. All right. Mm-hmm. The first one is after McCaffrey, the number two player in fantasy should be Saquon Barkley. The next Dalvin Cook or run round two running back who's going to be top five in 2021 will be? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Your favorite fantasy team name that you've ever had or seen? Okay, so I normally don't go super punny, but the one that comes to mind, I did have a basketball, fantasy basketball team a long time ago that had Gordon Hayward and Stephen Curry, and I believe I named it Curry on my Hayward son. Love it. Uh, the next Chris Godwin or round four to five wide receiver who explodes into the elite will be? That's, that's got to be DJ Chark. 2020's Mark Andrews or breakout tight end will be? TJ Hawkinson. Who is your most hated NFL player specifically for fantasy reasons? I would say probably Larry Fitzgerald. I feel like he's burned me. Uh, I'm just always on the wrong side of Larry Fitzgerald. If there was somehow another Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, it would be Kyler Murray. Which early rounder first or second is going to bust the hardest? Ezekiel Elliott. Who gained the most fantasy value during the 2020 off season? Uh, well, just on the Twitter hype machine alone, it's got to be Deontay Johnson. <laughs> Conversely, who lost the most? Man, um, probably probably someone on the Patriots. I think Edelman has dropped a good bit, or maybe maybe a running back like uh, on Johnson uh, was swept. He's fallen pretty far. I won't leave rounds five or six without blank. Christian Kirk. Do you play Settlers of Catan? 
I have never played Settlers of Catan even once. I'm and I'm, I'm not even anti. I just uh, I guess the circles I've traveled in it has never popped up. I've been at parties where it has been out, and I thought maybe I will break my cherry, and it just hasn't happened. Uh, so you should break it soon, my friend. Great, the best game ever made. I just like to ask every expert to see who also plays. Um, the next sophomore wide receiver after or even before AJ Brown should be Terry McLaurin. Target hogs or workhorse backs? Target hogs all day. Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Austin Eckler were all top five RBs after round seven. In 2020, that'll be? I believe he's probably on the like round six, seven ADP fringe. I'll say J.K. Dobbins. What are your ideal league settings? Yeah, I love I love Superflex. I love tight end premium. And I love kind of deep benches that even have a taxi squad too. So I would say, uh, and I will say I've now, I, I've come to love best ball because I do not like managing leagues in, in settings. So I'll say a best ball tight end premium super flex league with some taxi squad spots if it's dynasty. Love it. After Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams, owners should draft blanket wide receiver. Uh, it pains me. Mr. Toxicity himself, Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Blank was the most important coaching move for fantasy, specifically for Blank's value. Oh, man. So I'm not generally uh, a coach truther, yeah. but uh, what Jason Garrett is now with Saquon Barkley, uh, right, in New York. Mm-hmm. So I think that could be interesting because they kind of underutilized him last year, and we know Jason Garrett has no problems feeding a workhorse. Absolutely. Do running backs matter? No. What is the funniest last place punishment or side bet you've either witnessed or been a part of? So this was, I actually have never been part of a traditional last place punishment, but back when I was doing my podcast, the fantasy football comedy hour, we would do like weekly DFS four man contests and the loser had to do stuff. And my buddy Brian had to do a five minute fantasy based stand up set for mm. us. Uh, I, th- I could probably dig up the audio, but watching my buddy just have to do fantasy jokes to us uh, was was pretty enjoyable. That's awesome. And we'll wrap it up here with your boldest 2020 fantasy prediction and then just a reminder of where our listeners can connect with you and find your work. Yeah, I actually, I've said this one now, I believe this is the second time I've said it on record, but I really kind of want to associate it with me. So I am going to say it here. I apologize that this isn't maybe the scoop depending on when you put this out, but Christian Kirk outscores DeAndre Hopkins this year. Ooh, man. Is that spicy enough? That is as spicy as they come. Wow. Love it. And could you mind just dropping one more time where our listeners can kind of find you and, and find your work and everything? Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm on Twitter uh, way too much, at Peter Overzet, um, trying to get the TikTok rolling. It's P Overzet there. And then, yeah, just going to be doing um, a lot of kind of shows and, and podcasts this year. My buddy, Pat Corain, who writes for Establish the Run. We're launching our um, high stakes podcast, Ship Chasing, um, soon. So you can keep an eye out for that. I do Lowell's with Brian Hooper. I do the Swolecast with Roto Grinder. So yeah, lots of lots of places, probably too many places. Uh, no one should uh, consume that much Peter Overzet, but but it is what it is. Uh, hopefully I, I could consume it all day, especially with the, uh, the combination of humor with the great analysis. I mean, it's always fantastic work. So Peter, thank you so much for giving us your time today um and and just hopefully we'll stay in touch man this was fantastic i really appreciate you coming on thanks for having me this was fun absolutely see you later man have a good one 
congrats on being one step closer to those 2020 titles. Be sure to check out ffbdpod.com for show notes from this and any other episode. And if you haven't already, it would mean the world to hear your thoughts and the reviews and to share it out with friends that you're not going to face in fantasy leagues this year. Thanks again, Wolfpack. Until next time, Wolf is out. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second down, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.